A podcast network. If you put a Mormon and a meth head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and Jessa Reed are friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. Well, we're here with a good friend of ours, Sam Poulter. You might, if you came to our show at the, was at the Beehive, right? Beehive, Our show at the Beehive back in November in Salt Lake City. You'll remember seeing Sam. He opened for us. If you came to one of the show, if you were one of the six people in Aspen, Colorado, that saw me and Sam perform there, you would remember us. Uh, do you think they all became huge podcast listeners, Sam? Do you oh, think they all? <laughs> I, I had repressed that memory until you just mentioned it. Is that the I, one where you guys friend... didn't sleep? Yeah, we did not sleep after that yeah, one. that's true. Because we went to some awful dude's house with, yeah. co- with cocaine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Instagram story had a real cocaine vibe. <laughs> it yeah. got like, it was like a lot of energy at the beginning, and then it just kind of looked like, are you in a bathroom staring in the mirror right now? Oh, I did get a great bathroom <laughs> selfie that night. I loved that one. Yeah. yeah posted it I did have a Uh-huh. I had a nice Coke vibe. That was the most cocaine I've ever done, ever. And I mean, it's not like I've dabbled that much in it, but that was the night where I was like, I just kept doing it. And I thought, we got, I like at some point early on in the evening, I thought, why don't we just stay up do lots of coke and then drive back to utah like without sleep we'll just like hit the road at like four or five in the morning and just drive and the coke will fuel us for the first 15 20 minutes of the drive (laughs) and then it was just death like oh i i was just i hated myself that day oh god i would not want to come off of coke and have to be doing anything i used to have to drink nyquil to get to get through the come down of Coke. Like once I ran out of Coke, I would just drink NyQuil so I could pass out. That sounds great. It's huh? awful. The come down of Coke <laughs> is awful. I did the NyQuil thing literally yesterday. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, I saw, I, I, I just, just drink more NyQuil probably just sort of coming down off of anything. Just like you don't usually end- come down off of anything. I've never, <laughs> like I'm surprised the drive didn't work for you. Cause usually you do a tiny bit of any stimulant and it's like all right well i'm gonna go to bed you can stay up for another nine hours yeah yeah i don't think coke is my favorite thing i thought that it was going to keep me stimulated for way longer for as as much as i did that night i was like oh i'll be up forever yeah And and i was not anyway me and sam did a few shows in colorado and it was like one night we had a show in a theater and that was cool and then then like the next night we had two shows and the first one was in a brewery. It was awesome. It was packed. And it was like more of a working class town. And then as soon as that show ends, we drive to another town that's like 40 minutes away or something. Wow. Mm-hmm. And it's the rich town. It's Aspen. And we do a show there for six people. Oh, it was a nightmare. It was it was a nightmare. <laughs> it was so Six bad. cool people? Uh, mm, I don't know. I think maybe two cool people, maybe two cool people, and two okay people, and two not cool people. Yeah, and a really dickish bartender. That guy, that guy sucked. Oh, did he? I don't remember him. I just remember uh the silencer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. His opening set was just <laughs> 10 minutes of waiting for a laugh. Yes. Trying to make something of this. Dude, all of our sets were waiting for laughs. Every <laughs> single set. That's not... All of us did. It was, we all just went through it. I felt... Oh, you defended my honor that night, which was nice of you. Yeah. yeah. Someone went, oh, and in like the back, it was that bartender. And you were like, you're going to make that noise at that and not at Lewis's circumcision. <laughs> <laughs> Did I shout that yeah. to the audience? <laughs> I, think I, I think I gave you a Vivans like right before that gig, too. So we had oh. both taken one. Oh, you took Vivans? What is Vivans? Yeah. I don't that's remember. That's Adderall. This night. Yeah, it's Adderall. That's, that's, like, that's the stimulant. You didn't even need the... Uh, Apparently I did. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I did. <laughs> the coke I, probably fucked it up. Yeah, did it a little bit? Maybe it's it not t- a stimulant. Plus, stimulant isn't more stimulating. They're, they have very different. 
I don't know if you ever heard of uh, meth pee, but in there I explain the science <laughs> of your body breaks coke down like immediately. Uh huh. So it doesn't matter how much coke you do, your body has still metabolized it like a half an hour later. And five ants, they're release, extended release, aren't mm-hmm. they? It's like twelve to fourteen hours. Yeah, this is a, d- helps me remember why I thought we could just drive straight home. Yeah. You were awake. <laughs> you were awake because you were like, I don't know if there was meth in that coke or what, but like I'm still awake and miserable. Huh. Um, so you had the misery of the coke come down, but also you're awake because you I'm took a vibe. <laughs> I'm here for all of this pain, man. Oh. And then I got home for nothing. The whole point was to get home to have the whole day with Ethan. And uh, I got back to to Salt Lake City and Ethan's mom was like, oh, no, I plan to take him to the zoo today. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're oh, going no. to the zoo. And I just so then I just. Oh, was still awake <laughs> waiting for him to come home. Yeah. I was coming off of mushrooms when we pulled into town still because the guy whose house we were at, he gave me mushrooms right before we left. Dude, I don't remember yeah. any of this. I feel like I what? remember this road trip more than you do. Yeah. I remember all of this. Uh, it's This is like every conversation with Jessa, like she remembers every detail of something that happened. But like usually it's about things that, that we were both there for. And she'll tell me like this, this, this. This is like new the, where she's like telling me th- about everything that I, I've forgotten no, when she had, wasn't We've there. had this before. Anything Aaron Woodall related, just my brain keeps it a steel vault. <laughs> and then we can watch a movie. And the next day I'm like, what? Uh, there was a... The, the lead was a woman like I don't remember it but he knows every line from the movie so the uh, memory the things is that we keep. interesting I just remember that dude all right so we got out of our show and we went everything was closing down like all the bars had just closed in Aspen and there were a, there was like this pizza place that stayed open for an hour after bars uh, after last call and pe- drunk people could buy pizza. And it was the saddest, grossest display <laughs> of, of horniness <laughs> I had ever seen. I just wanted a goddamn slice of margarita. That's all I was there for. Everyone else in this line. And it's a long line. Like, it goes down the stairs. Like, everyone's waiting to get upstairs to get pizza. And everyone is just hollering at everybody else. Everyone is just like, yo, what's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Oh, hey, what's up? What's up? And so the guy with the Coke was was all over some girl. And just like, just Mm. like aggressively about it so she came back to his house with us and all i remember from the night was just uh openly flirting with her in front of that guy i remember like I that was too. Doing, i was yeah. doing his coke i'm like oh no, thank you man uh, so what's up you trying to get out of this asshole's apartment you want to drive back to utah with us hey I don't yeah one of the proudest uh, I was of myself on that trip was calling that guy's profession I was like oh he's a failed real estate agent or whatever (laughs) (laughs) and then we like got to talk to him a little bit more and he was like well you know uh, I was a realtor for a little bit (laughs) it's like I took a loss recently like this place is probably gonna be gone Let's do some more uh, coke. Yeah, here's some mushrooms. I, I don't know that I like that he liked me enough to give me those on the way out. No, we were just taking just like, I don't think he wanted us there, but Lu- he's like Lewis's friend. Yeah. And Lewis just like, was like, hey, I promised these comics a good time. So I need you to give them all of your coke and some of your mushrooms and uh, your date. Yeah, uh, possibly the-, the pizza girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Whatever they ask for, give it to them. That guy's a good. He's a good host. <laughs> yeah. Um. You had. You were in recovery at one point, or. Yeah, I did the twelve step thing like in 2011 for a while, for like four or five months. That's the longest stretch of just like complete and total sobriety it's that like I've had. Abstinence, yeah. So you feel I, like you need abstinence. I feel like I'm slow. Recovery. I, I'm like, I'm getting to a point where. I'm mostly abstinent, you know, from like in that I'm not like I don't my real problem was like Xanax and uh, I had kind of a borderline opiate addiction. That wasn't really my in like 2016. And since then, I kind of went to a psych ward and did like an outpatient program again for a little bit. Yeah. And then um, these days I kind of just take like my 
like a medicated dose uh, is that it's like 60 milligrams of Vyvanse Monday through Friday and then I won't on the weekends. And is the Vyvanse for, are they giving it to you for ADHD or for depression? For ADHD. Okay. Because yeah. I have heard uh, someone recently is getting treated for depression with it or something. That, that seems like a bad idea. Yeah, it was, it wasn't, maybe it's not depression. It was something where I was like, wait, that seems super counterintuitive. Why? Bipolar. Yeah, that's a bad idea. Yeah, why? It, why? It was something. Because it's if it's uh, supposed to get Vivian's is a stimulant gets you up. So why couldn't you give it to a depressed person? Yeah, I do feel like depression makes sense. Bipolar just feels like uh, that would really increase those uh, those uh, high days. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel okay? So you you did pills? Was your uh, doc? How'd you yeah. get into it, man? Um, like. I remember the first time that I realized that I was doing something like I'd probably crossed a line at some point was the first time I did coke and opiates in the same day. And I, I guess that was just, it was my buddy. Um, I won't say his name, but we went to school together growing up and our friend died in like 2012. Um, he, he took a bunch of Ambien and like fell down a fire escape. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. So we like, we kind of reconnected his funeral and you know all of everyone who was close to him kind of had a habit of some sort and so we all started hanging out pretty often and um he the, would just the funeral brought brought you guys together yeah. <laughs> isn't that isn't that funny yeah. Yeah. how, yeah, how addicts wanna... think it's like normal people would be like wow this is a cautionary tale we should get our shit together but addicts are like god i'm glad i ran into you <laughs> yeah that's right and that's how my connect just went to jail this yeah. is great let's get high yeah it's it's bizarre and even since since then like that out of that group of people few people will still meet up like every year and go on a hike on his birthday or whatever you know uh-huh. um yeah and also do they do opiates on the hike or? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> these are the people who managed to not um, okay all right good yeah go to, they were just booze hounds or whatever but um but yeah, of that group of people, another person is dead. My friend Forrest is homeless and has just his schizophrenia is off the charts and bipolar and stuff. And he'll just show up randomly at, you know, a couple of our houses and ask for like a sandwich or whatever, which I, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it was a. Was he already, sorry, was he already schizophrenic or is that a drug induced? He he was really bipolar. Like I mean, like he was either super manic or like so depressive that he was kind of rooted to the spot, staring at the wall a little bit. Yeah. Um, the entire time that I knew him growing up. But then when when he got, uh, he's also actually you would probably have uh, an interesting time talking to him. Too. He's still like got one foot in with the church a little bit, um, and just kind of feels like he's messing up really badly all the time. Oh. Yeah, and combined with horrible mental illness, it's like not it's not fun for him at all. But mm. so, wait, did you guys all start in school, or is this something you guys did after you had grown up? Well, I was like more careful growing up. Like when I was a teenager, I didn't even really drink until after I had graduated high school. Um, but I would lame. Smoke. <laughs> yeah. Were you Mormon? Um, no, not really. I was kind of raised like. Uh, I guess Jack Mormon is is. Would you go like on certain holidays to church? Yeah, stuff like that. It was like how Catholics are, uh-huh. can be casual. Did you go for like churchgoers? a relative's baby blessing or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like the last real event I remember attending was like my dad. My dad was a drug addict, but he he was re- relapsing on like fentanyl, and he uh, insisted that he baptize my sister. So the last like <laughs> baptism. I remember was my dad baptizing my little sister just off his on ass fentanyl? on fentanyl. Well, he was like on crack too. So he was mostly he was pretty up at the time. But yeah, did you all just like break into the chapel to do it, or did this was a sanctioned by the bishop it was, event? <laughs> it was it was sanctioned. Yeah, it was sanctioned. Um, my oh grandpa. My well, they don't have a very good vetting process. Yeah, <laughs> just not like... really, dude. I never understood people that wanted to get fucked up and then go to places like church or meetings. Yeah. I was like, that sounds like a (laughs) buzzkill. I I mean, I get, I mean, I'm just talking about like weed or maybe alcohol, but I think it's really, really fun to get a little messed up and then go to different things. Like I go, I go, I get high before lots of events. I think it could make a church a lot better. (laughs) I think it could make church way cooler. You know, I think fentanyl's dangerous. You catch a whiff of fentanyl at a baptism, and you could just you could just die. It just, uh, uh, you know, 
That's probably uh, the only time I would do it at this point. <laughs> I I want to put a, a pin in that because I want to hear more stories about the your fentanyl dad doing more <laughs> yeah. stuff. But I, I didn't want to interrupt your story too much of your your journey. So you you didn't do anything until after high school. Yeah, and I, I, I got put on probation for um for like possession of weed. Uh, we I was in a car that got pulled over in like the summer after my I graduated. And uh, at that point, I started drinking a lot because I had to pass drug tests and stuff, and all my friends were drinking a lot. Huh. And then yeah, I, that's the thing to do. Yeah. And then I tried, like, acid and ecstasy and went to rehab after I had gotten to... I got kicked out of USU for drinking. I got, like, two drinking tickets within the first two weeks of school, and they kind of... It was you like... You can get kicked out of college for drinking? Yeah. You can get when kicked out of When you say a drinking State ticket, for, you mean drinking and driving? You got an actual ticket from police? No, underage drinking is illegal, so... Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, like, duh. Yeah. Sorry. The thing is, when I... Like, something that I that I ran into a lot is, like, uh, being Mormon and having so many rules is that then I just think that no one else has any rules. Yeah. Like, anything goes. And I would accidentally get my friends in trouble a lot. <laughs> So I just thought like this is an okay thing to talk about, right? Like we're all we're all heathens here. <laughs> uh, so what did you do with that body, Jay? Did you find a place to dump her? And I was like, shut up, man. But okay, so you got drinky tickets for because you weren't twenty one yet, mm-hmm. and I was um, still technically on like probation in Idaho Falls, um, which is like my hometown or whatever. But uh, <laughs> Jesus, I, yeah, we can not talk about Idaho Falls. No, I love, I, <laughs> Idaho Falls is such shithole. Yeah. I'm just surprised that they put anyone on probation in Idaho Falls. Right, yeah. I'm just <laughs> like, like, yeah no. Isn't the drinking age like 17 there? Yeah, Saul's the bar. Yeah, I, I, you would think that, um, yeah, when they were like, you can go to college, but we're watching you. I was like, no, no. No holds barred. <laughs> I've done I've done several gigs in Idaho Falls. Some of my first gigs were in Idaho Falls. This awful Tribble Room that's like world famous for how awful it is. Oh, it's uh, it's just it's rough. I remember I did I was there with Shane Smith and there were giant there were giant like white nationalists. Like there's like a huge a huge man with Nazi tattoos. And a black leather duster. It was like went all the way to the floor, and in and in red letters, it said "White Pride" on the back. And we didn't say shit to him. <laughs> <laughs> just once again, just like no, just we we were not we're not tough. We're not taking a stand. We're not doing the right thing. They were actually pretty polite audience members. They uh, they didn't heckle. They had a they had a good time, and we did not say anything to them whatsoever. <laughs> Yeah, I would not either. I, I drank at the pepper, tr- uh, the pepper tree a couple times on Christmas Eve. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the saddest thing yeah. I've ever heard. Yeah, that it's, is pretty sad. Yeah, it's it was terrible. Well, I don't know. I mean, it was like I was just in town for the holidays and friends from high school. That's when they're back or whatever. So it was like, yeah, we'll go to <laughs> the one bar that we know of, I guess. Dude, I um, right after the divorce was, you know, being hilarious online. And I was doing a gig at the Pepper Tree, and I was taking pictures with people in the uh, at the bar, and I like posted on Instagram like, "Don't worry about me, guys. Uh, I'm in like I'm in good hands, or you know, I'm like here with my people. So whatever. I just made trying to make that some, post. It looked tr- like a VFW. That's it the does, Pepper, that's Pepper Tree. <laughs> and every yeah. and, and like uh, I feel like the comics that are familiar with the Pepper Tree got that joke. They're like, okay, you know, it's Thursday night. Aaron's doing a gig at the Pepper Tree. He's making a joke about how shitty of a gig it is. Everyone else is like, oh, Aaron. (laughs) Aaron's already signed up. (laughs) He's joined in VFW. (laughs) There was like the picture of just like this this old guy in a wheelchair in front of the in front of just like one drink, just and he's just smoking and. and I'm like, yeah, don't worry. Me and Carl are going to figure out all our problems tonight. And everyone was very concerned. The pepper tree is concerning. It's yeah, place. I uh, can't believe that's the pepper tree. <laughs> it's not what I had pictured in my mind. Dude, it's just the wildest. Um, I've done I've done several gigs there and to various levels, like numbers of people. And sometimes there's just no one 
and and like there's three there are three tables that are listening to you and they are spread they're like 20 feet in between each of these of these tables and there's just nothing in between them and then uh there are a hundred people at the bar shouting as loud as they can at each other and uh, it's just a it's a shit shit this made me think about that post where you got to the bar and they were like we were told you'd each be doing two hours <laughs> that was a show in ogden <laughs> and then the, the microphone died the, mic, oh the battery God. didn't even last one hour They're like we were told you'd each be doing two two and a half hours Holy shit. for free we were told you'd be paying us everything went wrong with this gig we went to the hotel they didn't have a room for us they tried not to pay us we had to like fight them to get them to pay us the cook left his phone on stage and it started going off at one point the lights the lights were on like the stage lights were uh sound activated so with every syllable if you like listening to music and like the the mu- is changing blue to red to yellow to green in oh time God. with the music that's something but with every syllable of every joke that you tell it's just lights change right ne- like it, lights are changing orange purple green red just the whole time um there there are like nine people who are trying to watch the show there's a pool table in between those nine people and the stage. Jesus and at Christ. one point, the bartender started a game of pool <laughs> with two other people in the bar in the middle of the show, just in, just, just in front of us. Oh, my God. That all happened in Ogden? Yeah, some weird bar in Ogden. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. We were told you'd each be doing two hours. <laughs> You're just like, mm, well, I don't know. I don't know where you got your information from, but that is definitely not happening. All right. So then you start doing pills. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know why your, uh, your addictions reminding us of shitty gigs. Oh no, it's the, they're not that different, I guess. Like, well, they're way different. I just have spent a lot of time in garages and basements, which is, mm. Similar. I don't know what I'm saying right now. I started doing pills. <laughs> <laughs> I got really into like snorting Adderall and doing a lot of Xanax around that time. Yeah. Like after I got kicked out of school. Um, cause, well, because I went to rehab and then made like a bunch of friends who were more hardcore yeah. than I was. <laughs> uh, like parents sent you to rehab or you really wanted to get... Did you feel like you ne- had a problem just being a college age student drinking is not a N- problem? But yeah. Like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really, I didn't feel like, like I had a hard time being sober, I guess, you know, like I had known that for a while, like a couple of years. Um, but I was just a pothead at that point and I was kind of just, uh, smoking away depression and, you know, doing self-medicating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Had I stayed at school, I probably would have done fine. I don't know. Like I, I, I think that that could have happened, but yeah, when I, after I went to rehab, I, so actually, I lost my virginity to someone I met in there at 19. Nice. Oh, that's the shit. 13th step, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, that's, that's nice. What I'm you worked all the steps. Good for you, man. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a weird time. But. but did going to rehab introduce you to worse drugs? Yeah, well, it, it made it like seem more normal. Like I remember at one point I was having like weird fever dreams where I'd shot up heroin and I'd wake up and like <gasps> gasp, like wake up gasping and sweating and stuff, just like. And I'd never, I've never done heroin. I've still. Never how done many times? Oh, so. good to hear. About how many times did you have that dream? Just like once that I can remember, oh, okay. like when I was in rehab. But um, but it was, I don't know. It was an, it was intense. It's 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 weird to go to like a place where it kind of feels fraternal almost. That's a weird word to use. To no, no, not at all. Perfect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because everyone's so raw from you know they've been doing meth for like twelve years or whatever it is, and that's like the first time they're sober and however long and yeah just kind of bond quickly and easily well it's kind of like you going to meetings for jerking off and being in there with sex addicts and thinking that you're the same thing yeah you know it's like you're smoking pot and drinking at what is probably a normal level for somebody who just started smoking pot and drinking but now you have the crazy adventures of tweakers and junkies being normalized in your mind yeah that's no that's yeah that's that's like a perfect yeah it was it was bad but then when when i got out it was um i like 
kept going to meetings for yeah about four or five months and um i was doing that whole thing and then i uh i started hanging out with that kid from you know that i grew up with who who wound up dying uh again i we like saw each other at a friend's house and he was like he was like this I don't know. I think he kind of prided himself on being like some young professional who like abused drugs, but was like super successful. Like mm-hmm. his family was wealthy and he kind of, yeah. you know, um, his dad, kind of that wall, like a wall street vibe. Yeah. Total, like, total. Yeah. Work hard, play hard. Yeah. Yeah. And like, honestly, I mean, I don't know if he, he probably, he definitely had something like borderline personality disorder, like in retrospect or like, I don't know, just cluster B personality disorder type stuff. Like he was, he was really, we like tripped on mushrooms once together and he like pinned me up against the fridge. <gasps> yeah. And was just like, why won't you be violent? And I was like, I'm high. Like, <laughs> <laughs> why won't you be violent? Yeah. He, he just wanted to f- like fight people all the time and it was just mm. generally a dick. And, uh, and yeah, Dude, he, I kind of, I could. I could I could hang out with that guy. <laughs> I I need someone who wants to to like fight. That would be I think that'd be really fun for me. Uh yeah, that's so like a loud like vampire type um energy. Yeah. Yeah, and he he was crazy. We stopped hanging out. Um I I didn't see him for like 4 or 5 months before he died because it, it, there hit a point where I was like I was still underage. I was like 20. We were he, he died like four days before his 20th birthday i think fuck yeah but it got to a point where he would he would show up at my place with like vials of adderall and xanax dust you know and just wanna and i had i had like decided like kind of recently that i was getting borderline like i had i was hooked on amphetamines like i needed those to like function properly you know at that point but um just mixing them with the Xanax and then I'd, I had uh, experimented with opiates a little and I just like thought it was too much and realized that he was the only dude that was really linking me to that, you know, keeping me like in that lifestyle sort of. Um, so we stopped hanging out and then I got a call from like a mutual friend that he was in the hospital because he had fallen down a fire escape and a dogger found him. He had like crawled around to of the his side. apartment. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was like conscious, I guess, for a few minutes and then they... Took him to the hospital and he, and he passed was on, out. Because he, he had taken Ambien? Yeah, he had been doing Coke and Ambien and drinking. And yeah. These are all really bad yeah. combos, yeah. by the way. Yeah. I know, yeah, uppers and downers. And, yeah, mm. and it's... Yeah. But, uh, Usually, I mean, like, I know, like, don't mix Ambien and Twitter and racism. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, no, no one ever said Ambien and fire escapes were a bad idea. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, you were in rehab. You had a... Did you have a near-death experience? Or yes. Oh, yeah, sorry. I got a little excited there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, you were going to tell us about your your weird experience. Yeah, because I, I was curious to talk to you, uh, Jessa, about this, too, because I know that you've had some stuff happen yeah. in that vein. But, like, uh, so what happened was, I think I was, like, 20, I was, like, 21 days sober, 2021. I, I'd just taken my first clean drug test, I remember. So, like, everything was out of my, like, pot was out of my system or whatever. And this is Ian Rehab. Like, you're in a dorm um, or something? What is it? Like in a hospital? What is it like? No, this was like kind of a nice one. Utah's kind of renowned for having really ritzy rehab facilities. Okay. But this was, so this, this one was like, um, what was it called? It was called, uh, recovery ways. Yeah. in like Orem, I think. But, um, and you'd been there for like three weeks now. Yeah. Been there for like three weeks. So it was more sober than I had been since I was like 15, you know? Um, I had just been high every day from that point on for the most part. And, uh, but I was in a lot of trouble. So like I went because it was either um, it was either jail for like two months. You know, I was looking at like a month and a half of jail time because the, the second time I got arrested in Logan, I was evading the police and they just threw a bunch of stuff at me. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, uh, man, that seems so. Of course, we're going to evade you, man. We're yeah, every, no. What's the most I'm irritating charge evading to police yeah. all day long. Like every one of us are checking our rearview mirrors and trying to evade police. We live in a constant state of police evasion. Mm-hmm. It sucks. You think you're gonna walk? You're gonna walk into the police station and turn yourself in? No. Yeah. 
Well, and I mean, I was an idiot. Like the guy threw me up against um, the glass or whatever, the dorm building I was walking out of. And he asked what my name was. And I said, Jeremy. And then immediately was like, no, it's not Jeremy. It's Sam. I'm sorry. Ah, and like, oh, no. He was like, oh, and the only thing on my record still from those days is false information to a police officer for telling him my name was Jeremy. You and got immediately what? Was, yeah. What? At 18. You're charged with that? Yeah. Yeah. It's on my record mm. forever. For one second, you yeah. said, what? Yeah, they do. Fuck. That's what they do. Dude, I didn't know that you could be charged with just lying. Well, he was pissed at me for running away, so he just wanted to stick me with... He just wanted oh, to make sure shit. I got screwed with something. I have given false information to police before. <laughs> not going to get into specifics because I don't want to incriminate myself, but I didn't know it was that big of a deal. Yeah, it was... It, they... My sister's husband has a permanent federal felony for carving something into a phone a phone booth because those are considered federal property. And he was like carving his name into it or something and got caught. And the thing is, is like he was sheltered and his parents were religious. And when your parents aren't uh, criminals when you're a kid, you end up getting these fucking charges because your parents aren't like just fight it just deny it just mm. find the loophole and so this like held him back in life because it's a felony he has a felony on his record he has to say yes on job applications when it says do you have a because felony he carved what he his carved initials his, a penis he, a fucking uh troll face or something i can't it was something so dumb and that it was a phone booth they are not even around anymore and he was but 18 the felony still oh is. my god that's the felony so is still bad. around yeah, then he ended up getting hooked on drugs and like committing actual <laughs> felonies, and he was already a felon because you can get away with your first one. But he, uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know that first one's on us. You can get a, you can yeah. still live with a with one, but two. No, yeah, you no, can get no. away with uh, your first time doing most things. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so near death experience. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. So I was in rehab, um, and this guy. I don't like it wasn't his name was Jim. I, I don't remember what they called him, like what they said he did. Um, he's like a healer of some sort, you know, I don't know. Um, oh. But he came in and he and everyone was talking about <clears throat> how he was sort of like kooky or whatever and just out there, you know, and uh, and not to buy into whatever he was coming to do. And he's like, like a guest All right, whatever. speaker or something. He's not a regular at the thing. I think he still goes and like does the rounds at rehabs and stuff okay. and sees people one on one. Um I yeah, I think he does. But but uh he came in and first he showed us this like he played a few videos. Um one of them was like this YouTube video of it was like every like it was like what a spider did on every different kind of drug, you know, and it was like a joke. <laughs> oh, I've you, seen that, yeah. 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 That's the, how he starts. Yeah, that's how he started and was like, This is a joke, but um this is actually how like the energies of these drugs can like stick you know, bind like to your energy and and kind of like everyone Okay, on, all right. I'm going along with it. Yeah. yeah. So far so good. Mm-hmm. So then he he was looking around the room and before like right when he walked in, he told everybody their drug of choice before they like you know, before he like got like he'd get names and then he'd say say their drug of choice, and like he was, just like a like a magic trick. Yeah, yeah. Like a, the uh, weird magic uh, power there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> was he right? Yeah, he was right. Which I don't know. Nice. Whatever. I feel like I you know not not to. I feel like most people could probably come close. You know, if you if you've like, done enough drugs, I think you yeah. Can if tell. you yeah. I mean, like I'm not like I don't think it's. I'm not impressed with the superpower or anything. I mean, like if you work, if every day you're going and working with people that are addicted to drugs and you've done some and whatever, like, of course, yeah, I get that. But still, okay, all mm-hmm. right. Yeah, and I was still on the fringes of, like, I was just in there to not go to jail for longer, you know? And so I was, I, I just, I, I wasn't necessarily open-minded, but I wasn't closed-minded. I was just there, you know? Yeah. Um, going through the motions. But he... So he went around the room, he told everyone their drug of choice, and when he got to me, he said, uh, and I was in there for alcohol, and I was basically lying to everybody and just being like, yeah, I'm an alcoholic, and I didn't feel like I was, you know, but I, I just knew I liked, um, I liked, like, taking acid and, and smoking a lot and stuff, but um, when he got to me, he said, like, uh, psychedelics and marijuana, and I was like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um but then afterwards he was handing out he, he had like a little knapsack filled with like gems and stuff <laughs> and he he was like uh 
When you say knapsack. No, I was going to address that. Too. I, I don't know that it was a knapsack. I think I just like to remember it as I just, being I, a knapsack. I'm picturing, I'm picturing a red handkerchief on the end of a stick yeah. that this guy walked I'm picturing with. a tiny satchel, which is That's like what, I, what yeah. I felt like you meant, but then I also was like, knapsack. Huh? Yeah. No, I saw... <laughs> Yeah, you like registered. I was, was he like running I, away from home. <laughs> um, yeah, but he had a bunch of them, and he like was handing them out to people. And he he walked up to me and like whispered into my ear and like gave me this big white one. I don't know what it was, but he was like, "This I feel like you're gonna need this more than anyone else here, and it's gonna be really intense." But um, yeah, here you go. And and then he he started playing. He put on an Avril Lavigne CD. <laughs> How does this guy get allowed to do rounds? I don't. I I think he's pretty like a sketch. Yeah, he's pretty successful though, from what I understand. But I don't know. Yeah, he he. uh, Well, first, I guess he had taught us how to do these breathing exercises. He called it like taking a masculine and then a feminine breath. It was like breathing into your stomach, and then you puff out your chest, and then it's just quick succession. You kind of like get lightheaded you know really fast doing them okay yeah. what was this what's this breathing that's a thing? psychedelic uh supposed to have a psychedelic effect how to get yeah. high from breathing basically mm. what's that yeah. called that was someone in our group has been talking about it yeah that uh, something breathing it's like Scott's controlled breathing something yeah anyway we mm. some people have been talking to us recently about transcendental breath work or okay something. Yeah. that's what it is yeah, yeah. breath work that, that is transcendental which i reckon i i mean i would if you haven't done it before i guess so this is the one and only time i ever did it but i would I would recommend it just yeah. based on, you know, it was pretty, it was the most significant like experience of that kind of ever. Had. So are you all sitting down in a circle and just taking in breaths when he tells you to? Yeah. So we were standing and doing them um, and then he was like, okay, I'm going to put on the Savril Levine CD. <laughs> what? And, uh, yeah. And everybody lay down. What? Can you imagine taking your masculine and feminine breasts while she's like, he was a boy. She yeah. was, can I make it any more obvious? Yeah, it was it's very counterintuitive. I know, like, yeah. Well, and he also had a giant didgeridoo, so he was walking. <laughs> the didgeridoo tracks. Avril Lavigne is the part where it like breaks from the script. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what? Yeah. what? He's like, my meditation CD broke, and this was the only thing I could find. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, the, oh my god, for sure. Yeah, it was bizarre. But then he he had us all lay down on our backs, and he would come around the room and like blow the didgeridoo on your chest or whatever. So he was doing this to people. <laughs> Is Avril Lavigne still playing? Avril Lavigne still playing. What the and fuck? I'm I'm like synced in too. I'm doing the breaths and feeling pretty lightheaded, you know. And like I I just remember feeling like oh, something weird's happening, and like I feel kind of like just out of it. And then he blew the didgeridoo on my chest, and I was like gone. Like I was actually not in my body anymore. And it was like what I remember happening is I remember or I don't know. I mean, this is it was so abstract that like it it was really like vivid and like uh, visceral and stuff. But explaining it is weird or trying to remember it exactly uh, like it happened. I was just I was going through like some sort of like. Uh, portal thing and then I just remember I just remember knowing that there was this thing that was like guiding me through this and it was communicating that it was there and I don't remember like hearing it speak or anything but like all of a sudden I was just like seeing myself um, in the house I grew up in and like I was you know like slamming doors or it was just different me at different points in my childhood and it just clicked at some point that I was like my mom and I was seeing and feeling what my mom had like seen and felt and they were it was stuff that had actually happened that I didn't remember ever happening and but it but it did like I remember um it clicked that it like I was my mom or whatever and seeing and feeling what she did when uh like m- me as like an eight-year-old when I slammed like a door in her face and she w- tried to like chase me into the room and it like hit her nose and she started bleeding you know and just like sobbing and just feeling like I love you so much and I just can't I don't know how to communicate and I just don't want you to be like hurting and like all this stuff so I'm like feeling all of these things and it's very intense and then like it was just communicated to me that it was it was like all right it's, it's over and like I just went back through the like uh chasm thing and was when I came to everybody in the room was like standing over me and I was shaking like uncontrollably and like sobbing and I like immediately ran to the phone and called my mom and was like, I believe in God. I believe in like, <laughs> oh, my know, God. Wow. Yeah. And, and told her what happened. And then and she broke I down. believe in God and his name is Avril Lavigne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have a theory about Avril Lavigne CD. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, 
it was popular music at the time. I mean, it was like it was on the way out. What it year? Might have, 2012. It was. This I actually past Avril Lavigne's time already. 2012. Yeah, it might have been a little bit. Past. 2012. We're past CDs already. You know, like uh, where Avril Lavigne is is early early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I guess. Uh, my thought is uh, that it's very grounding. Okay. Uh, something very mainstream to be very grounding while you're having this all the other shit is very hippy dippy mm-hmm. that i wonder if that's not a way to separate you from oh, yeah. your body huh okay keep your, bo- keep your body there listening to that music and get you out with the with the breathing and the didgeridoo thing huh mm-hmm. okay. my that's my working theory because the rest of this is like i've been very into um jumping dimensions mm-hmm. i've been learning about dimension jumping and reality transurfing and it's different than everything i ever understood about reality which is different than everything i've ever understood about um consciousness and how it works in reality here but now um it's kind of starting to come into focus so when i died i ended up just like back at the collective consciousness, I guess, and and uh, kind of got the scoop of what reality is. And then when I came back, I had to live through my entire life to get to the present moment. And um, there were things about me that were different. Like I suddenly had this other aspect of myself that never existed before this like unemotional ability to just see the big picture at all times about everything and i the uh it's like my primary personality now but that didn't exist before and i went to a job interview for an intuitive counselor because after that i could just like like see what people's issues were and stuff and so i I went and applied for this job and i didn't really want the job i just wanted to know what had happened to me because i was different and then she told me i was a walk-in which is where like a soul just takes over like co-ops a body of someone who wants to die. She was like, you know, that's, you're not the person you took over. So you're not Jessa Reed. And, um, uh, that's as close to, I think like jumping dimensions that I ever understood. And then lately I've really been learning about it and getting into it. And, uh, do you watch the OA? I've seen like some of the first season. Okay, first season shit. But you have to watch the first season to understand the second season. But the whole second season, I didn't. I, I get it. Is uh, but she also filled me in. Yeah. But if you could just read a Wikipedia summary of of season one and then start season two, that's what I would recommend. Um, okay. Did you watch all of season two? No, man. I told oh. you I'm too, I'm too tied up in the Game of Thrones right now. <laughs> Another month, I can get to the. I can finish the OA. Um, it's. It's all about dimension jumping. And I think we might be able to do that. I think we might just be able to... uh, I think there are a series of techniques that people know about. And they Mm -hmm. are able to just hop in and out of different people. And I haven't figured it out yet. Is there certain DNA, like certain types of people that you can hop in and out of? But not to spoil the OA, but in the OA they give a bunch (laughs) of... uh, (laughs) instructions like there's certain they talk about like uh suppressing the consciousness of the person you went to but you can just hop into people and experience their life for a little bit and you can choose to exist with them or or crush their consciousness when you get in and so you wouldn't have you would have access to their memories but not to any of their qualities or whatever okay. in um, season one they go very in depth on weird breakdancing movements. They do like people, everyone has to learn this movement and that's how they jump. Mm-hmm. I personally like the Avril Lavigne didgeridoo combo. <laughs> <laughs> it, seems, it seems much, much better when you uh, woke up and everyone I'm staring at you. Mm-hmm. Did, did didgeridoo Jim say, uh, <laughs> what did, did, did he talk to you anymore? Cause he said you were going to have an intense, he predicted you were going to have an intense experience. Yeah. Did he talk to you afterwards? Not afterwards. And then I saw him once at the park, actually, and like the it, when I was getting lunch or something, and he didn't really want to talk to me, or like he wasn't really, he was kind of avoidant, you know. I was like, Jim, hey, and he was like, mm, I don't know, like, yeah, very. Um, 
it was weird. But then, at, but he did address everybody for a minute afterwards, and he was staring at me the whole time. And I, I remember embarrassing myself a little bit because he was like, "Does anyone have any questions?" And I was like, "Why don't you come here all the time, man?" You know, and he, <laughs> he was just like, "Because uh, I don't know, I have a life." Like, fuck off. I don't. But he, Damn, <laughs> no, he. I, I don't know what his. Uh, I, I just remember it being kind but of. But he odd, didn't like, like talk to the to the group about what had just happened to you. What everyone? I mean, it felt like everyone was probably freaked out. Well, I remember everybody sat back down, and he was like. Uh, no, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't say like, "Did you see that?" Like that was. But he did kind of offer like some more anecdotes. He was just like, "Some of you had like stronger experiences than others, and I just like it's gonna. A few years will pass, and you'll like look back on this and be like, oh, we were over oxygenating ourselves, and like I was hallucinating, and it was all bullshit.' And he was like, it, it was real. I'm just saying, like, I'm huh. just here to like tell you that it was, and no one else." Um, had anything happen to them like what I did there was one kid who was like I feel like I've never done drugs before who was a heroin addict and I do remember feeling kind of like he felt because of the breathing he felt like he had never done drugs before yeah that's the only way he knew how to put it and this dude had like OD'd and died and was convinced that uh and brought back but he was convinced that he went to hell when he died you know I was in there with like three or four people who had all OD'd on heroin and been resuscitated at one point and uh the three of them didn't experience anything, and then that kid was like, "I yeah, people were dragging me down to hell, and Jesus. like came to, and had been you know given the shot or whatever, and like narcone." And <clears throat> um, afterwards, were you at all interested in like trying to research more about your experience? Did you talk to anyone else about it or read anything about it? Yeah, I think I kind of shut down at a certain point though because I was still so frustrated with like. Like, I never had the... Uh, I, I wasn't, like, messed up by M Mormonism, so to speak, I guess, because I just wasn't ever that active in it. Right. But I definitely... I wanted to understand what had happened more, you know? Because, like, I've broken through on DMT and done a lot, like, 10 strips of acid or whatever, and just, like, I've hallucinated to the point where I wasn't sure what was real and what wasn't, or, like, I've had um, crazy experiences on DMT, but nothing has ever even come close to being... Like is like that made like I I feel like that happened you know like I yeah. don't know and so it was um <clears throat> yeah and and the fact that it happened when I was dead sober too is has always been strange but like the more I tried to put my finger on it and like wasn't satisfied with you know what people like no one else had really been through anything like that that I knew and I didn't really know how to reach out to like that gym guy or it didn't I I, I don't know I just like I just kind of decided that it was bullshit you know at a certain point and actually lately these days i i kind of feel you like mean like you fulfilled jim's prophecy yeah you're just like <laughs> yeah it wasn't real yeah well i i just like i was getting in friends with uh, like in arguments with friends of mine at the time um who were like a year or so after that you know um who were really struggling with like the church and we would argue and like they're all out now or whatever but um i remember like talking to my friend matt and that like there was just a point this was the point i think at which i decided that um i was just going to ignore that experience but he was talking about how he went to deseret book to like find literature on you know like to answer some of his questions that he had about the church and i was like why would you go to the church their bookstore yeah. yeah yeah like that's not the place to go and he was like i don't know i've had experiences and i'm gonna like look here first and i was like dude i've had experiences it was bullshit you know <laughs> it was like this <laughs> thing that happened in rehab and then and i remember him saying like it's really sad to me that you like something like that can happen to you and that you won't run with it you know or that you won't let that validate some notion of like life not being utterly meaningless or just like whatever uh -huh. you know and uh and that was when i was and i've always had like struggled with black and white you know sort of mentality yeah. yeah and so at that point it was just easier to shut it down and just be like all right whatever uh -huh. like side note real quick it's always uh i mean this is a this is a tangent but when you have fights with someone about the church they do they like it always follows that trajectory where then later they end up leaving i feel like i've never had a fight with anyone uh, who stayed in the church? I feel like they don't fight. Mm -hmm. I, I, it, I feel like it's because, and I did, and I, I done from both a place sides. Of insecurity. Yeah, yeah. I done both sides. Mm -hmm. I had the fight uh, with someone who was already out, 
and it's like you have the fight because you have that inner conflict already inside of you and you're trying to beat it and so you need to to shut other people down the people that don't think about it the people that are just like happy with mormonism completely and like don't have any concerns and don't worry about it the people that like they uh they just listen to your opinions and they go oh cool all right tight mm-hmm. uh, yeah but like every single that's like the only uh measure of solace you have like i like i like i had relatives where i'm like all right yeah well i know in a few years you'll be right here with me and then they they have been that mm-hmm. always happens anyway sorry for the tangent the perspective that you got on your mom was that relevant to like themes in your life was that something you think there was a purpose for you to see i just wanted to know are you telling me you can't hear the speech impediment right now you can't hear the lisp <laughs> i just got implants and all i can hear is me not able to pronounce what, what word like S's? Say, i don't know i just um say perspective perspective sounded pretty i guess good. it's not the s uh, it's th i don't know anyway sorry that's all i can hear i is my own speech impediment but anyway like that was there was the relationship with your mom strained do you think it was uh helpful for you to to see your childhood through her eyes yeah like i think it changed a lot of things for me in the uh, before then and i think for a while after too i like i i had a tendency to like argue with people um like the people who probably i was closest to you know just like friends and family and stuff um I wanted like answers as far as just like my own mental health and like God and whatever, you know, everything. I was pretty fed up with like life at that point after having been kicked out of school and just, I, I feel like I would do like the cry for help thing a lot. And then just, just like in, in some, like my hope was that someone would tell me what I needed to hear and everything would click and like things would be fine. But, um, with my mom in particular, like, uh, I think I was sort of, I don't know, like we would talk and I'd, I'd just lay it all on her sort of and just be like, everything sucks and there is no point. Like, give me, you know, like you tell me why I should do anything. And she would just be like, I don't, <laughs> I can't. But like, yeah. I mean, mom, like, obviously I, I don't want you to, you know, do anything to yourself or like be a drug addict or whatever. But um, it was just like after that happened, it sort of. um yeah, like I don't know how to describe this, and it sounds. I guess uh, you guys are more open-minded than anyone else I talk to. I'm sure, but like, um, yeah, just like experiencing a mother's love, or you know, was like something that I couldn't. I've never felt in my own life personally, and like haven't been able to. I like couldn't describe what that feels like, you know, like to somebody if I tried. But I just know it's different, and that like I I feel like I experienced that. Um, like pretty fully, you know? Yeah. And so that was the biggest thing for me was just to like, it was like just the realization that like, I don't have to torture people in my life, you know, for like they know I'm in pain and they don't necessarily have answers, but just like knowing that people have that capacity to like for love, you know, or just, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful to see, eight-year-old you slamming the door mm-hmm. well in that memory that that that's the one i think i remember the most because it was i saw a bunch of stuff a lot of it was me being snarky um it was like i saw different phases of my life like when i was really young and had like a pocket protector and then was like <laughs> getting into blink 182 or whatever you know and like wearing like little hot topic studded belts and wristbands or whatever the Dang. hell it was just like a broad spectrum of like it, it, that's not we the pocket protector is the part that's weird yeah <laughs> everyone had a hot topic phase not everyone had a pocket protector phase yeah no yeah that was yeah pre-hot topic hot Dang. pocket hot pocket hot pocket but um i mean ethan has no idea how much i love him like he, like he a little bit but just things that he says i think from a from a toddler from like the time they start speaking like you just don't know the way that you can just destroy your parents with your words like like it's just a three-year-old can just say something that hurts so bad and man i remember him being a little baby and we were at my parents house in boise i put him I mean not little not like newborn but he i don't think he's really talking yet or anything he's like a year or two maybe maybe two years old that's max and i set him on the bathroom sink 
while I was doing something, and then he fell off of the bathroom sink. Like he just like leaned back, whatever, and he and he fell onto the floor. And I went into a full. I just I was filled with so much guilt, like that I that through my negligence and bad parenting and laziness that I allowed uh, my son to be injured. Here's the thing. He wasn't injured. He's fine. I like took him upstairs to my dad. My dad, dad, he fell. He fell. I mean, that was like at least a three foot fall. Uh, and like, it's just like right onto the tile. Like, do you think he has a concussion? Do you think we need like, do, like he's crying pretty loudly. And my dad is just like, yeah, just wait. Just wait a minute. Like, let's see if he keeps crying. Yeah. Uh, Your dad's see. had more than one kid. I know. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I don't. I remember my dad saying something like, "Yeah, you're. You'd be surprised. Uh, they're kind of built to fall, you know." I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. Like, it's, he was totally fine. But it, the it's because you love something so much, and that they're so perfect, and they're innocent, and they they depend on you entirely, and so it's up to you to keep them safe. And you want more than anything to just keep them safe and happy at all times. Mm-hmm. And there are times when like Ethan's upset. And I'm like, I just want to make you happy. And uh, you, he just, you can't, he has to just be upset for a second. So I don't, uh, hopefully Ethan never gets addicted to drugs or anything. Uh, but like, I can't imagine what that's like to watch uh, as a parent and to just uh, keep getting a metaphorical door slammed in your face. And uh, I think it's cool that uh, you got to taste it without like, without being a parent yet. You know? Mm-hmm. It's it's a real sweet story. So where is that experience now for you? I'm so now I'm kind of back at square one, cause like the last. Yeah, because it doesn't feel like you think it's bullshit now. No, I definitely don't. You know, and like the the more like I'm not very. I mean, I'm 26. And this all happened when I was like 19, but it's been long enough, and I've done enough of like the same bullshit over and over. As just as far as just like partying, and you know, I'm kind of sick of like sleeping on a cot and spending all of my money on like uppers when I run out, you know, and, or just like, uh, I, I mean like a year and a half ago I like bought heroin once and I got home cause I was, had been drinking and was just so up and I was like, I don't want to not sleep for like the third day in a row. And I don't want to just like, I just want to knock out and I don't care. Like I, you know, I've done yeah. oxy. It's the same. Like, yikes. No. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. And I got home and I was just like, is there any way I can not do this? Cause you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I have an addictive personality and, once that door is busted in. So I threw it away. It never did. But like, Oh I, man, good, good, thank good, you. good, yeah. good. I was like, no, there's other ways to have naps. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so in the, Put like, on a Ted talk. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, NyQuil. Yeah. NyQuil. I've, I have learned about, I, I do Z-Quil now. I just buy bottles of Z-Quil cause it doesn't have a cinnamon or whatever. So you can oh, just, shit. Slick. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Cause you don't want to shut your kidneys down. I think that, there's this entire like couple of generations started with the X generation and into the millennials. Why just kind of feel like nothing's real, right? Like this isn't real. And, but that's depressing. Like if you Mm -hmm. haven't then gone and looked behind the veil and tried to figure out what is real, it's just, just this nihilistic nightmare of like, uh, what the fuck is the point, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, my personal theory is that there's something actually very cool. And we're in this weird threshold where religion has been um, a way to control people with a sensation that there's something behind the veil. And I haven't figured out what it is yet completely. And I don't think I probably ever will, but there's so many people having these experiences. And the thing about these experiences is that they are just individuals having individual experiences, which requires us to be able, we have to trust ourselves and not confirmation of a bunch of Mm. other people. And which is like how you find actual truth for yourself, because I've watched large groups of people believe in bullshit many times mm-hmm. it's fucking religion government look at any of it it's it's not right because a bunch of people confirm it because they're usually just agreeing with what they think everyone else thinks is real but um so my current theory is that it has something to do with like that we've been jumping dimensions the whole time mm-hmm. and that uh when your life takes a big change you actually just hopped or have you ever had the experience where you're driving and then you um feel yourself get in a car accident but yeah. you don't get in a car accident yeah 
that was the beginning of me being like, what is that? And I just started learning about string theory. And uh, I try not to look into stuff until I already feel like I'm experiencing it because I don't want to just like learn things. I want to understand them. And so I don't start researching something until I'm experiencing it. And then I'm like, oh, okay, someone else has already written this down. But I uh, recently did something called the two cup method where you, uh, because I follow like a dimension jumping Reddit and um, you ha- you you write the one dimension on one cup. Have you ever heard of this? Yeah, I read the thing that you posted. In okay. The, yeah. yeah, I did it. I put four giant life things on there. Mm-hmm. And when I poured it into the other cup, I felt different immediately. And then just ha- like all of the things, a couple of them are soft. Like, I, like I'm not jinxing them by talking about them too much, but they are like underway and absolutely feels like I'm already like in that. And I'm like, what if it's that easy? What if like religion set us so far back by, by planting all this stuff in our head about worthiness and earning things and whatever. And what if it's just you're hopping dimensions all the fucking time, just point and click and go and be there and it doesn't matter if you're a piece of shit it doesn't matter like it doesn't they all exist just Mm -hmm. be on the one you want to be on and because i had already started to feel trajectories a couple years back where i was like felt like i knew the outcome of the path i was on and then in the winter i felt like i was off that path and i didn't know how i got off of it i didn't know how to get back on it and so i've just been obsessively learning about this idea mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to get back to the path that I was on. And I think I found it, but then there was a lot of stuff in the OA about hopping into other people. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, what if we can fucking hop into other people? Like imagine being John Malkovich. <laughs> I never saw that, but neither, but I'm, can you imagine <laughs> being John Malkovich? Wasn't he just himself in that? Or you're just throwing that out as an option. That's not the first thing I would be, but you could do. <laughs> what if we could jump into no, Trump? John Malkovich? Is they they find a way to jump into John Malkovich? Okay, I didn't. I don't they, know anything. There's about like the movie. a tunnel that I they go it was into. A documentary and then you, about his and life. And they control. Mm-hmm. They, <laughs> Dude, what if we could jump into Trump, make him eat a bunch of Ambien, and throw himself off of a fire escape? Fire escape. <laughs> Dude, I feel like if that could happen, someone would have done it. Someone had to, right? I feel like someone's in him right now being president. <laughs> <They're just> like, <laughs> 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 oh, look at this. <laughs> uh, we got we to gotta wrap up. We ne- There's uh, a, a ton more, though, that we could go into. I We never even went back to Fentanyl, Dan. But uh, uh, this a cool out-of-body experience, Sam. Yeah, no, it, it was definitely the coolest thing I think I've ever been through. Still, it just in ter- it, yeah, it definitely it was. But um, but yeah, everything that you said is really interesting too. Just about like, because I read that article and I I started thinking about like I, I think that for the last couple of years, um, I've sort of felt myself shift off of like the path that I thought I was on, and that's kind of been my um the butt of like my reinterest and just like even going back to that experience and trying to figure it out again a little bit yeah looking into things that aren't just religion or or nothing you know are you ever going to try the breathing stuff again the breath work like i i might it's yeah i we just got an invitation for a thing in uh colorado oh cool like a convention or something else yeah sure. we should mm-hmm. like see if we can arrange some aspen shows uh, uh and, <laughs> full circle and yeah. do some breath work at the mm-hmm. same time that would be cool it's weird to think that just breathing could make you do that i think some people are not as sensitive to like I'm, i was also super interested in um what you said jessa about like how what did you say that they called you like it just what did they term walk-in a walk-in walk so like um yeah just the the idea that it might be a genetic thing or that it might because like everyone in my family is really my mom left my dad when she woke up in the middle of the night and like a thing like something told her to go look in this really specific spot in the closet yeah she'd been freaking out over whether or not to divorce him and Uh she she went she woke up and she knows that there were three of them three beings and that they were like you need to go to this spot in the closet look in this jacket like it's like you know in a box underneath these other clothes and there was 
Holy shit. There was heroin. Well, heroin. <gasps> Yeah. What? Damn. Holy shit. Yeah, well so there are definitely people who are like wired to wired to hear things or like, you know, like gifted or whatever. That is super interesting. Yeah, three of them, yeah. And my little sister is like, "Oh, hey Max." <laughs> Max just showed up. Our next guest just came in. But three beans in a dream or like after she woke up, she felt three beans. She woke up to them. Yeah, kind of like standing around her bed. And um there were other things she said that when each of us were, were they, born, uh Yakko, Wacko, and Dot? <laughs> were they the Animaniacs? That would were be they, fun. You, she, your mom's not Mormon at all? No, not at all. So mm-hmm. she, did she put any religious significance on this? Is just like a, an unexplainable thing? Yeah, no, it's just the thing. It's yeah, she doesn't put. She has no problem not assign like slapping labels on on you know just how she. She's just like some alien narcs yeah, showed up. Pretty much, oh. yeah. <laughs> And yeah, it's weird, man. Her and my sister, my my little sister Allie, won't won't talk about it because she thinks people will assume she's schizophrenic. But um, relatable, uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> yeah. And uh, but she's like seen uh, there was like something in the basement of my sister's old house, uh, according to her. Like my my s- sister Brielle had a friend come and visit, and they were like on their way out. They were like, you know, just so you know, there's like a little girl in your house, and that's like what all these noises and stuff have been. And I stayed there during this time. I had to stay with her a couple nights because they thought someone was breaking into the house repeatedly. Like the windows would be open uh-huh. and you'd hear these like loud banging noises like on the floor, just it was, um, upstairs in the kitchen, like stuff would happen and nothing was really, you know, I don't know. It was just bizarre. But then uh, this kid left town and flew back to Florida where he's going to school or something. And my other little sister went and stayed with her for the first time. And with no mention of this, like, Allie just on her way out after a weekend was like, by the way, just so you know, there's a little girl in your house. <laughs> like, don't. don't oh my god! Out. Dang. Uh, well, Sam, thank you for being on uh, the podcast with us. Let's have you back another well, time. Yeah, thank you guys. Sure. And thank you so much. Uh, we'll catch you guys next time on Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a meth head together, this is what they sound like. So read our friends, listen to them talking to Mike. Stop and a podcast. <clears throat> a podcast network.